In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name. is... <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Christina Pittman is the president and CEO of the Texas Trophy Hunters Association. Yes, she is a woman and she is Hispanic. I bet you that you would not have guessed that a Hispanic woman is the president and CEO of a Trophy Hunters Association out of Texas. Christina joins me on the podcast with a very short, sharp, to-the-point discussion about who she is, Texas Trophy Hunters Association, and you know I had to ask about the idea of trophy hunting, especially since it's in the organization's name. Christina, I, um, you know, it's interesting, a mutual friend of ours sort of connected us together. And um, if someone had to, you know, I'm all about, I don't know, I don't want to assume anything about whether you know anything about blood origins or what we do and how we do things and whatnot, but let's assume you know a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. We are always interested in perception changing things around who we are as hunters. around what the hunting industry is perceived as. And I could guarantee you, I could probably make money on this, okay? That if someone had to ask, put like a list of, did you know that the text, and how am I going to couch this? The CEO or executive director, you're the executive director, right? Uh, President and CEO. President and CEO, (laughs) excuse me. President and CEO of the Texas Trophy Hunters Association is a good old boy, Texan, 
with a cowboy <laughs> hat, big old swashling buck, uh, buckle. I would say 95%, 95 out of 100 people would say, yeah. I would put money on the fact that that is who <laughs> runs Texas Trophy Hunters Association. Christina is not <laughs> a male's name. So, number one, you're yeah. smashing a perception of the stigma. And, I, again, I'm making, I'm making the accusation that it's a stigma. Would you agree or not agree with that? Have, what, where are you in that? Um, I would agree for sure. Um, I know I don't like to really look at it that way. I like to base it on is I'm here. I got here because of my hard work and my, um, my work ethic and just who I am. Um, but yes, it, 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 I mean, it really is. <laughs> no, when, when you described it, you described my husband. <laughs> yeah, and the, you'd think your husband would be the, the, <laughs> the, the CEO, but you, Christina Pittman, are the president and CEO of the Texas Trophy Hunters Association. Additionally, you're not Caucasian either. No. <laughs> Hispanic? Yes. Yes. So it's, you, there's two massive perceptions that you've just smashed through there. Yep. Well, Christina Pittman, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I'm happy to be with here with you. I know you're in the midst of, of, of craziness. And, and as I said in the beginning of this podcast, well, before we got on, um, this podcast will drop after you get through all the craziness that is the next two or three weeks, which is your extravaganza, Texas Trophy Hunters Association extravaganza. Uh, so maybe before we go any further, do you want to just introduce who you are and what you love and and we'll go from there? Sure. Um, I am, like you said, Christina Pittman, the president and CEO of Texas Trophy Hunters Association. I have been working with Texas Trophy Hunters for uh, nine years, but before that I was volunteering with them in the deer contest at the Hunters Extravaganza for an additional three years. Uh, and they wanted to hire me three times and I kept telling them no, uh, not because I never wanted to work with Texas Trophy Hunters. That's my dream. That's a lot of people's dreams. Um, but I was at that point working at a, at Texas A&M San Antonio, uh, getting that university started from the ground up. And so mm. there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears into that. And I said, well, let me get it there and let's get that building done. And then they made me an offer. And uh, at that point it was a CEO. And he said, this is the last offer I'm making you. If you don't take it, we're not offering you anything <laughs> else. And I said, okay, okay, okay. I'll come back. I'll go. Um, and that position was the trade show director position for mm. the Hunter's Extravaganzas. Mm. So what did you do for San Antonio for Texas A&M? Um, I was a, I started off as an admin and then I worked my way up to a manager and then um, I also helped out with campus activities. So I truly believe in education and helping out uh, students um, by giving them internships and so forth. So uh, one of the main things that I want to do here at, at uh, Texas Trophy Hunters is come up with a, an internship for our college chapters because we do have college chapters with Texas A&M University and then we also have one with uh, uh, Texas State. Mm, mm. What was, where were you raised, Christina? Were you raised Texan? I was. Um, I was born in San Antonio, born and raised uh, my first six years of my life. And then we moved to Washington State for about another six years and then came back to, to Texas. And first generation Texans or your mom and dad were Texans? or um, My mom and dad 
are all Texans. Um, and my grandfather on my mother's, I'm sorry, my grandmother on my mother's side is from Mexico. Okay. Um, but my grandfather is from Texas. And then my other family, my dad's side, they were from Laredo, but they, you know, they, uh, back when it, uh, that's when it Mixed became part the of border. Texas. Yeah, yeah it yeah, became yeah, part yeah, of yeah. Texas. <laughs> so is your family strong hunters? Do, is does your mom, dad, grandfather, they all hunt? Like No, my mom does not hunt. Um, she still, she, she had two daughters and, um, with that being said, my dad didn't have any boys, so mm. I got to take, uh, I love to do, you know, I, I don't think that there's one cookie cutter, you know, this is what a hunter looks like. Um, and thankfully, my dad gave me the opportunity and took me out hunting when I was about five years old. Um, I didn't hunt, but we went out to the blind and there was a lot of rules, you know, you got to be quiet. I'm not going to bring you again if you don't <laughs> listen. And, you know, so, and I actually do that to my daughter too right now, but you do, I do. I, my, the blind, my blind is full of iPads and Voltron. <laughs> well, no, they're actually growing a little bit. So now it's switches and Harry Potter ones. And... <laughs> no, I try to do it old school. I, I want them to kind of grow up the way that I did, you know, with mm. coloring books and, you know, with my daughter, we'll go out there and I have to remember, I might not see anything because she's only five years old. Uh, but just those memories that you create where she's, you know, we're walking and we're tracking animals. And I tell her, this is what a hog track looks like. And this is what um, a doe looks like and a buck. And she's just so intrigued. And, you know, some one of my best memories is we got out of, uh, she got out of school early and uh, we went to the, to the lease. And me and her are going out there and we're going to go check the feeders and her and the hog trap and everything else. And we're running out there and we, I said, well, let's go sit up in the blind for a little bit. You know, I'm pretty sure we're not going to see anything. And, um, turns out we shot a really big hog and she tells everybody that story. She thinks her mama shot the biggest hog in the world. And Hey, it was so cute and she loves it. So we actually ended up getting it mounted just because that was that story. It's an ugly hog, but Hey, it's, it's not, it's a memory we'll never forget. How many kids do you have? I have two. Um, I have that five-year-old Ava and then I have a, a 10 month, um, named Gunner. He's a Oh boy. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, it's obviously your dad poured into you that love of, the landscape, that love of wildlife, that love of, of going out. And now you get to do the same thing. Does he get to still come? Is he still alive? He is. Um, he doesn't come out as often. Um, cause we actually did, I did stop hunting for a while cause I kind of went into the whole sports and, you know, as mm. kids, you don't have time sometimes when you have to do sports and edge, you know, go to school and do everything else. Um, so I did pick it back up when I was about, I want to say it was 16, 17 when I started hunting again. And, um, you know, I will tell you a struggle of mine was, um, not finding a lease for me as mm. a female, you know, when you, you kind of want to find a place to hunt and a lot of places didn't have that option. Uh, Do you think you were turned around? Do you think you would, you were definitely disadvantaged because you approached them as a female? Um, I think it was because I know whenever I'd read up, you know, kind of they're like looking for like an all male lease or it was always kind of uh, that, which okay. I understand, you know, I definitely understand and that's okay. But I was reflecting a while back and I said, you know what, it's because some other females and ladies have helped me. They open the doors, you know, 
I ended up started, I had started bow hunting because one of my friends, well, I was already, I was already interested in bow hunting. And one of my friends ended up saying, Hey, why don't you come out here? My husband's a, uh, art, he's a hall of fame archer. Um, we have a lease that we have property and just come out here and help and, and have fun with us. And to this day, they're lifelong friends right now. And, um, without her saying that, you know, now I'm on the lease with them. I have my own spot. My husband has a spot and, uh, now I'm able to do what I love. And just because uh -huh. somebody was willing to say, Hey, you know, I see that you love it. Come out and do it with us too. Do you think, I, I'm not, I, I can't answer this question because I wasn't raised in this country. And I came to hunting late. I came to hunting when I was 26. Um, had friends who had land and whatnot. So I've never really had to experience the whole ask for permission to hunt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Go to someone, you know, even put money down to lease ground. Do you think that the whole, like, do you think the community has shifted? Do you think in... And maybe in use you, you yourself as an example, but maybe because you're you're in the sphere of so many hunters, right? Mm -hmm. How many members does Texas Trophy Hunters Association have? Oh, right now we're we're trying to. So we were acquired by by Safari Club International. So That's we're right. doing a, an analysis right now. Um, okay. I can tell you by the end of the August season, with us having our shows, we'll probably be around twenty four thousand members okay. um, after those shows. Okay. But that's, of course, our projection and everything else. Sure, sure, sure. Do you, do you feel that the community is saying to you, because it almost speaks to a larger problem, if you want to call it a problem, do you feel the community speaking to you saying, we're not getting invited anymore? We're not, we're not seeing the opportunities anymore. And the reason I say that is we literally dropped a podcast. When this drops, it'll be about a month ago. We've dropped a podcast with Matt Ranella. And Matt Ranella said that he feels one of the biggest issues is people leasing up private ground and not sharing it. Like this gotcha. individual that just did what you just said, yeah. leased up private ground and then said, hey, I want you to come. As another female getting into archery, I want you to come. I want you to experience this thing with me. Matt's saying he, wa he wants more of that. He wants more sharing. Mm -hmm. And I guess he feels in some way that that is not happening anymore. There's less and less and less opportunity, less and less sharing. This is mine. That buck is mine. What are your thoughts? I can say I, I would agree. Um, here specifically in Texas, it's, you know, land is predominantly privately owned. Um, so in some cases, that's their land. That's what they do. They, you know, there's some people that just, it's their, I mean, technically it's not their, their, uh, their animal, but you know, because it's the state of Texas, but sure, sure, they do. Um, Let's be honest, it's their animal. They think it's yeah. their animal. They look after it. They don't want it oh. to go anywhere. They don't want anyone to shoot. <laughs> Correct, because you put a lot of effort into that. You know, when you're taking care of that, and you, you know, depending on how you hunt, whether it's a high fence or a low fence, there's a lot of work put into that. And I can see, I can agree to disagree. You know, I, for me, I would want for us, for an example, at our lease. You know, we're out there feeding year round and then somebody comes up that's on the lease. It doesn't do any of that stuff. And then they just kind of shoot the buck you've been looking for. Uh, I'd, I'd have a little sore spot on that. But, uh, okay, okay. Let's use that <laughs> as an example. Well, Matt used that same example. Uh-huh. What if you invited someone? That's you different. You opened the doors and you yeah. invited someone to come hunt. And that buck that you've been caring for for four years, five years steps out and that person kills it. 
would you be hunting with them or not? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the friend, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I will say, like, for us, we have certain rules with our lease. So, we, you know, you can only do so many things. You can only take so many bucks and so many dough. But I would not be opposed to saying, hey, come out here and shoot a hog or show somebody how to hunt. Um, that, to me, I think is the best thing. I think we do need to do that. Um, not everyone is as fortunate to have a dad or a good friend to introduce us to hunting. Uh, but I think that that's definitely something we need to do as hunters mm -hmm. is try to say, hey, come on out here. It's not just you go out there and you shoot and slaughter things all the time. I mean, it's really not. You know, you also are able to enjoy nature. You're able to to just enjoy everything that God's given us. And mm -hmm. it's so much more than just out there and shooting something. I mean, great. Granted, that that definitely, <laughs> it, it, it makes it a lot better. But I will say those memories, you know, having my daughter go out there and, and making those. And I can tell you, too, you know, just talking around camp with a lot of other hunters, one of the biggest things we talk about is, their biggest memories or their best memories is with somebody that's one of their family members that shot the deer or shot that hog with their, their kid or their grandfather. Um, you know, there was one thing I did in Oklahoma, I guided and it was a father son. And it was pretty funny because one of my exhibitors, I said, oh, I'm going to go volunteer and I'll go, um, I'll be a guide and help out wherever I can. And it was a bunch of boys and everything that they're young boys that, they had just gotten into hunting. They didn't, they knew how to shoot a gun, but they didn't hunt. They had never hunted, but through this program, they were able to, to learn how to hunt and, um, and take them out. So they're, they're right before or after dinner, we're talking about the game plan for the hunt, the morning hunt the following day. And, uh, they say they're, they're announcing who their guides are. And so they, <laughs> and I'm the only, one of the only females there. And, um, he says, Oh, well, you're going to go with Christina. And that little boy's face hit. The look was priceless. His face was like, oh, I get the girl. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay to me. I'm like, that's okay, buddy. I'm going to prove you wrong. We're going to have a great time. I'm going to show you what to expect. And his dad had never hunted, which was I thought was so neat because his dad came into hunting because his son learned it at school. Mm, and awesome. Yeah, that, I thought that was so phenomenal. So we go and we're hunting and I'm explaining to him. I said, hey, this is probably what's going to happen. You're going to feel this. Don't don't worry about it. Take a deep breath. You don't have to take a shot very fast. And just walking him through everything that he most likely will experience. And uh, he goes, so sure enough, we get a doe comes out. And I said, you know, you want to go for the heaviest doe? And just really in the oldest doe, just trying to let him know that you know, you don't want to just shoot anything that comes out. You know, uh -huh. there, there's different way, or that's the way I like to hunt, right? I don't want to shoot something that's too young, but the the older one and the more meat and everything else. So he's out there and we're doing it and he shoots it. And I told dad, dad, whenever he shoots an animal, just make sure you watch where he goes, watch where he lands, because he's going to be all excited. And, you know, we all did it. And so he goes out there and uh, drops the doe. And those long, you know, everybody says those 15 minutes, right? He's waiting and he's like, can we go now? Can we go now? And I said, got to wait. We've got to wait. And sure enough, we go out there and I'm showing him. I said, look, look for blood. This is where you're going to, this is how you're going to go walk on it. And just kind of, I knew where the animal landed because I could see, but I mm. wanted him to go through those experiences that uh -huh. a lot of people in some cases have to learn on their own because not somebody teaches them how to do these things. So get up there and that same night, we we caped out the animal. We did everything we needed to. And I'm showing him how to do it. 
And then he cooked that, he cooked the deer, the backstrap that same night. And that man that, that owns that uh, ministry, he said, I've never to this day had a kid that wanted to cook the animal that same night. And, and I started laughing. I said, you see, I told you I'd get you something. It ended up that he was the only, um, there's only kid out there that shot something. And so, oh, so man. You see? amazing. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun for sure. Amazing. So for those that may not know what the Texas Trophy Hunters Association is all about, what you do, what your mission is, what is the, the elevator pitch? We are a an association that is focused on members um, in Texas. Uh, we focus on Texas hunting, um, not to say that you can't just be from Texas or you have to go, you know, everyone's welcome. That's for sure. We're a big family and um, it's a membership organ association. Um, we have a magazine that comes out bi-monthly. Um, that's all written. Every A lot of our stories are written by our members. Um, we also have our Hunters Extravaganzas, which are three trade shows in the month of August. Um, we usually started in Houston, then we go, usually we go to Fort Worth, but this year we're going to Dallas because of COVID. Um, and then we have, we COVID. I know, I know. <laughs> Wait, COVID's dead. Oh no, it's still, it's dead for sure. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, with planning, a lot mm. of people, they ended up giving our dates up. So we ended up going gotcha, to gotcha, Dallas. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then we also have, um, our membership, like I said, our organization to where we, you can become a member and just be part of the family. Our theme this year is join TTHA and be part of the family. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times, you know, I know some people talk about uh, a sisterhood or a brotherhood and I'm thinking, Hey, at the end of the day, us in the hunting industry, we're all family. I know That's tons right. of friends and fam but I, at the end of the day, we'll go to hunting camp and we become family. And, you know, uh -huh. that's the beautiful part. That's what I love so much about this industry is, you you know, you can meet some people and you can call them up. and They're just good, valuable people that have great ethics. And to me, that's what I love is, is meeting the new people and, and being that family. What is uh, Texas Trophy Hunters Association? Do you invest in anything? Do you put projects on the ground? Do you invest in education? What kind of program sort of? Beyond the beyond the conventions, sure. do you guys do? So right now, we actually partner up with other organizations. Like I mentioned, with Safari Club International acquiring us, there's some things that we're kind of remodeling and we're trying to reorganize. Mm -hmm. um, so there are there is going to be more things to come. Um, I can tell you that we do want to do more stuff with education and getting youth out there um, and really new hunters. You know, I know a lot of people want to focus on female hunters and youth hunters, but I want to focus on new hunters, those people that don't know where to start and sometimes are too scared to ask where to start and how to and how to do certain things. What would you say to someone who says we don't need any new hunters, Christina? I There's would too say many then, hunters already. <laughs> I mean, I can see the argument on that because, you know, there's not enough, there's not land. You can't recreate land. So I understand that, but I don't. And to the, the point we just said, right, you, you can't, it's tough to lease. Tag yeah. allotments are going down. Point creep is everywhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would still say is encourage people to hunt because at the end of the day, it's, 
I see it differently. I understand that, yes, people are saying we don't need more hunters, but we do. I definitely think we do. I think it, it hunting creates that experience, that memory. It gets your kids outdoors. It gets them away from those iPads and that social media stuff that we don't want our kids, you know, watching. And um, to me, it goes back to our old values and our old morals of getting out there, breathing fresh air, looking at a, you know, stopping and looking at a, at a flower when you're walking or, or tracking the animals and just things like that to me that I feel like those are things that we can't lose. We can't lose mm-hmm. that as, as people. We've got to keep that. And again, yes, we use we're, we're doing a podcast right now, right? It's, it's, we don't have to be face to face or in, in person, but I, I just feel like we can't let that go. We can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've, I've kept the most controversial question to the end uh-uh. because I think this is going to lead us down the rabbit hole. And I'll purposely pose this question as a poke. So I apologize. Okay. One of the things that is probably, the most debated topic in hunting, arguably. There, there's a couple more. But this idea of trophy hunting. This idea that we are trophy hunters. And it comes from both the anti side and the, tr- and the hunting side, right? Mm-hmm. You hear all over, the, all over social media hunters saying, I'm not a trophy hunter. Mm-hmm. Anti hunters will say, all you're interested in is the trophy Trophy hunting is in your organization's name. Do you think it's antiquated to be a trophy hunter? You know, that's a tough question when you ask that. Um, When you ask me and a lot of my staff here in the office, I can tell you for us that trophy isn't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to shoot our logoed buck, right? Who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't? But at the end of the day, it's so much more since I started hunting. It's about the meat. That's a trophy. When I can feed my family, you know, when COVID happened right now, I wasn't having to worry about going to, to the grocery store and getting, getting meat. We had a fully stocked freezer. We were even giving other people some meat because they didn't have a fully stocked freezer. Um, and appreciating the animal in my, it was what I think. And, a lot of people say, well, it's about trophy hunting. It's in your it's in your title. Or if you look at the cover of your magazine, it's a big trophy. And yeah, you're right. Because sometimes if a big buck walked out in front of me, I don't think I would ever, I don't think I'd turn it down, right? Uh-huh. Um, but that's not what it's about for me. For me, it's the meat. It's about creating that family Let um, me ask experience. this question. You yeah. say it's about the meat to you. If you had your logo, dear step out in the food plot at the same time as a heavy dose, step out in the food plot. What are you taking? Could I line them up? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it depends. It depends what I would be going for. You know, at, at the end of the day, I'd still eat the logoed buck, you know. That's and true. That's again, true. how many times would you pass up on that opportunity? Because I wouldn't want that person that I invited to the lease uh-huh. to shoot it, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I that's a tough one. I, I probably would see about which one is the easiest, the, the better shot, the most ethical shot, and, and go from there. But don't get me wrong, I probably would go for the the logoed buck and wait uh-huh. that one out. You know, to me, when, they, when people talk about this argument, I typically have two things that I'd say in 
maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, and and if you haven't, then maybe it's something you can put into your into your speech, into your sort of diet, your dialogue as you engage people when you have these kinds of conversations. Sure. So when you started, I can't remember what story you, you you told about 15 minutes ago, but you talked about you talked through with the kid that you wanted to wait for the heaviest dough. No bucks came out. Mm-hmm. Do you think in that moment you you weren't pulling the trigger, but let's just assume you were. You became you were a trophy hunter in that moment. Um, no, and the well Why because not? of the well, you're right. I was because I was probably saying you want the bigger of the animal, right? Um, you were being selective. I was being selective. You weren't if you were a tr- like when someone says I'm a meat hunter. To me, that has that's a connotation of selectivity. Okay, so if a doe steps out and it's a young doe, you don't shoot it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you judged a value on something better. Correct. Okay, the young stepped out. You don't shoot it. Why? Because you value something else. So to me, a trophy, a trophy is a value. Mm-hmm. That is seen in the eye of the beholder. The value for someone like you may be, I want to maximize the amount of meat I can take off the landscape. At the same time, indirectly, you may be taking a much older doe that has contributed a genes to the population. It's probably a more sustainable take out of that population. But that's not why you do it. You're not, and, and that's another fallacy, I think, in the hunting community. Someone goes, you've heard it, we hunt for conservation. Yeah. Nah. You don't typically hunt for conservation, all right? That's a byproduct of the action, but you don't do it. Like, for instance, you didn't go out to specifically take an old doe to sustain the population. Nobody does that, really. (laughs) But you go out to get the most meat. So the trophy is a a value that is is, is in the eye of the beholder. And so your trophy buck, your logo buck, to them... That's the trophy in the eye of the beholder. That's the value I've put on that animal. And the value mm-hmm. is also the, because the, that buck doesn't become a buck like that after two years. It's a mature animal. Absolutely. And so then again, there's, there's, a, there's a trophy quality in that that animal is only going to grow that way because of the things that are happening on the landscape around it. The habitat, the feeding, the... The discipline of trigger control that you don't kill everything that mm-hmm. steps out. So there's when it comes to trophy hunting, I may argue that 99% of all hunters are trophy hunters. Because they choose to select an animal to take. You're right. It just depends on what that selectivity is based on the value that you hold in front of you. Hey, and you're right, you know, I was going to tell you, I have several deer that I've shot that were not trophy in the sense of, you know, big antlers. And and what I ended up doing is it was, for me, it took me about six years to, to hunt, to actually shoot an animal with my bow. And it was several things that I ended up learning because I pretty much ended up teaching myself, what do you need to do? And there's so many other things that you have to do when you're bow hunting that 
you don't really think about it with a rifle. It's easy. I mean, well, to some it might not be easy, but to me it was easy. Um, so I wanted a bigger challenge. And to your point, I have this coal buck that was a little seven, not little, but it was a seven pointer. Uh -huh. And I shot him with my bow, but it was just everything was right. Uh -huh. And that to me is my biggest trophy. And we laugh because it's not anything to brag about, but it was that persistence and uh -huh. everything that I had to do in order to get uh -huh. that animal down. So you're right. It, it isn't about the trophy or it's, it's, I guess it's, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? What, what it to you makes it when you, when you think about a trophy. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's tough to get across to the antis, right? The antis oh, don't yeah. want to hear that, you know, <laughs> but internally in the hunting community, this idea that no, you know, I'm not a trophy hunter is, is almost a little, fall it's, it's a fallacy really at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I love, I, I, it's a fascinating, this, the idea of trophies is just a fascinating component to who we are as hunters. Yeah. As a, I'll end it on this because I like, we like short, sharp to the point podcasts. Mm -hmm. As a, as a woman, a Hispanic woman who's leading a hunting organization in the United States, where do you see the biggest challenges for you or for hunting in the next, you know, five years? Let's just keep it five years. Uh, I would say the is really trying to convert people to be, to know who, what hunting is about. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily, I, I'm not one to say that there's challenges about me being a female. Um, Cause I don't, I don't, I never really look at it that way. Uh, I really try to just do the work and just, you know, that, that shows it in itself. Um, but what I would say is getting people to understand that hunting is not bad, um, that we are good people and you can do so many other things. As far, like I said, you know, you can take those kids out of those electronics and those iPads and everything else and um, get so much more. And I think sometimes today in this world, that's a big challenge is these kids are finding they're not really getting that attention from their parents. Um, yeah. They're finding other locations and they're just not, they're disconnected uh, from the world, from society. I mean, I can tell you there's some people that I see and they're just, they don't want to talk. They just want to be in their screen. And it, it really scares me. And to me, I would love to see those kids come out of that, let them enjoy um, and introduce them to hunting and, and really bring their families in on it too, so that they have that experience. And then they build those, you know, like we we're talking about those trophies. To me, if somebody said, "Oh, I know, I learned how to shoot a bow," and within thirty, you know, three years or a year, I ended up shooting one an animal. Uh, to me, that's their trophy, that experience, that that memory. Um, I've said it several times. You know, around campfire, you have you can you can mount your animals and you can put them up in your wall and everything else. But at the end of the day, when you're around a campfire. You're telling those stories. You're talking about, you know, the deer could have been this little, but you're telling it's this big, or that fish was this small and it's this big. Um, those are those experiences and that you keep instilled. And, and really that to me is that trophy, that, that experience, that, uh -huh. that memory that you've created. Uh -huh. Well said, well said, a great ending point to a podcast. Uh, Christina, I just found you on Instagram, Texas Trophy Hunters Association, text trophy hntr everyone check uh -huh. them out i just followed you um 
And uh, where else can people find information about Texas Trophy Hunters Association? Uh, they can go to ttaj.com. Um, there's our website. Is right. That's our website address. Uh, they're more than welcome to check it out. There's lots of links. And if you're a member, you become a member, you'll also have the ability to um, access our member portal to where you can see our, our digital um, magazines. And then we'll also be able to send you some magazines if you'd like, if you join. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good luck for the, uh, the madness that is the next three weeks, but I'm sure yes. you'll, you'll pull it off uh, <laughs> like a rock star that you are. Thank Absolutely. you, Christina. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.